Are you looking for a passionate community of female entrepreneurs to connect, collaborate, and create with? The Southern Coterie, affectionately called the Southern Sea, offers the perfect resource with their thriving community of women business owners, brands, and experts. Founders Cherie Levy and Whitney Long create tailored opportunities for you to connect online and in person with women just like HSDT guests and listeners. Join their monthly membership and get access to regular Zoom calls featuring mentor power hours, intimate panel discussions, and presentations with sought-after experts. And the peer-to-peer mentoring is invaluable. If you're thinking, when do I have time? You can browse their library of recorded sessions on a topic that you need when you need it most. If you're a regular HSDT listeners, you already know about their sought-after events like the annual Southern Sea Summit. During the three-day summit, you connect with other seasoned entrepreneurs, mentors, and a roster of impressive experts. You'll listen to inspiring stories and get actionable advice on the topics we female entrepreneurs want most. The Summit's programming, like memberships, is intentionally tailored to create camaraderie and community. Education is always balanced with networking and brand discovery. You all know how much I love this community and value and respect Sheree and Whitney, so it's such a thrill to welcome them onto the show as sponsors throughout the month of February. I truly believe in all that they're doing. So get to know the Southern Sea by visiting their Instagram at the Southern Sea or at the Southern Sea.com. Be sure to check them out. everyone, I am Emily Landers, and this is How'd She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome everyone, welcome to today's episode of the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here, and if this is your first time joining us, welcome. You are in for a treat. I'm so excited to introduce you all to today's guest, Hilary Muscatello. Hilary became a quick friend on social, and I was so grateful that she spent some time with us here at HSDT to share a little bit more about her story. For those of you who have been following Hilary and have seen her amazing growth, over the last really year or so on social particularly, um, you're going to be amazed at her story and how so many things that she's done in her life that have been passions of hers since very early on have come to fruition um, through all that we're seeing on social and with her brand and business. I know that you guys are really going to enjoy getting to know Hillary as much as I did. So again, a Massive thank you to Hillary and a big welcome to all of our new listeners. Well, for those of you who have been listening for some time, you know that here at HSDT, we love to share the behind the scenes over at patreon.com slash how'd she do that, where you can get five additional episodes a month. Right now we have over 50 episodes all BTS behind the scenes of what it has looked like to grow the podcast, to build a business with the podcast being front and center and also brainstorming what's to come. I 
think you all will really enjoy. And as of yesterday, we launched a new episode, the third episode for the month of February, where I took you all to some of my favorite spots in Malibu as I was able to meet a previous intern. One of my very first interns was visiting Los Angeles with her husband, Daniel. Colleen, it was such a treat to meet you. It's amazing to think that the podcast has been up and running for almost three years. We've had lots of interns and each and every one of them are so special. But to be able to meet Colleen, who was one of my earliest interns and we had never met in person, it was such a treat. We went to Malibu Farm, which was, of course, appropriate for HSDT. Helene Henderson, the owner of Malibu Farm, was, of course, on episode 30. She joined me very early on in the podcast. So, so many HSDT connections and it continues time and time again. We're at a point that listeners, you guys can be out and about in shops and you might look around and see an HSDT previous guest on the shelves, their product, their book. It continues to amaze me. So be sure to snap a photo. And while you're listening to our conversation today with Hillary, we'd love to see what you're up to. Perhaps you're in the carpool line. Uh, Maybe you're working on some artwork. We have lots of artists that listen. Or if you're like me, you pop on a podcast on a walk. So be sure to snap a photo, tag Hillary, and how'd she do that? We cannot wait to see how you're allowing us to be a small part of your day. I know that today's conversation is going to be really encouraging to you guys. And if you enjoy, we'd love to hear from you. You can always leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And without further ado, here is Hillary Muscat on How'd She Do That. Today's guest, Hilary Muscatello, is the founder of Tello and Rose, a lifestyle brand that offers attainable, beautiful living to women globally. Through a range of product offerings and lifestyle tips, Tello and Rose aims to equip the everyday woman with classic traditional style. The brand has made its mark all over the globe with recipes, floral arranging, and fashion advice. When Hillary isn't entertaining us with her beautiful videos, sharing her heart with her customers and friends, or helping us with dinner recipes, she is likely enjoying time with her family, hosting a small group through her church, and spending time with friends. Hillary, welcome to How'd She Do That? Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, likewise. Well, I was <laughs> mentioning this before we started recording, how fun it has been to see your growth as of late. Yes, I it was not planned. I will tell you that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been really fun. And I think um, being able to share more about your story today, I, I mentioned this as well before we started recording, but I posted that we would be talking today and people were quite excited. They were very excited. That's so exciting. I, I'm so blessed with what has happened and just how everything has resonated with people. So I'm really excited to get to dive into a little bit of my background. Mm. And it's cool too, um, because you've had a foundation before, you know, the interest and excitement on social media, you had a foundation, you've had a brand for some time. So let's dive in. You've listened to the podcast. So, you know, I love to kind of start from the beginning with guests. How about this? Can you tell listeners maybe a little bit about your upbringing and ultimately where you went to school? Sure. So I started, my mom has always been a very outdoorsy woman. So from young age, I was always outside playing in the mud and creating tea parties and um, 
floral bouquets out of weeds and all of those things. So I really started creating when I was young and uh, we lived in all different areas of the country. So all of the, we lived on the East coast and the West coast and the, all of those just different lifestyles really affected the way that I see culture and see nature and hmm. um, have really just shaped the design uh, mantra that I have. Hmm. So I went to school uh, in Bryant University and I majored in communication, which really helped me to articulate well through social media, you know, the things that I enjoy and talking to women. So what was it in your early years that had you moving around so much? My dad worked for corporate Toyota, so we, oh. and, but our family was all on the East Coast. So anytime we had the opportunity, we would move back to, we lived in um, right outside of New York City. We lived in Massachusetts for a while, in Rhode Island. So we were, and then we were in California a couple times also. So we bounced back and forth a lot. Wow. Okay. And so ultimately you end up at Bryant stepping into school and stepping into that specific major. What was your hope for your career and and your post-grad kind of season of life? Sure. So I always wanted to be a creator or designer of some sort. I thought I wanted to be a fashion designer when I was younger and um, actually with one of my jobs, which we'll talk about that changed, but I always thought that would be really neat. But my dad said, you know, you can be creative all you want, but if you don't know how to run a company and a business, then you can't, like, you'll never go anywhere. So he said, you have to go to business school. And so I did. Did you get a secondary degree in business school? No. So Bryant University is a business school. Oh, okay. And so whether you major in like an art or business, all of your So I have multiple minors in business, different business things. So marketing and um, business administration. Okay. Okay. Very cool. I did not realize that about Bryant. How awesome. So you're Mm -hmm. stepping into this post-grad season of life. What did that look like for you? What did you step into? So while I was in school, um, you know, all of my friends had jobs like being waitresses or doing lifeguarding on the, you know, and during the summer or whatever. And my dad said, you need to get a real job so that you can have something on your resume. So I, he made me walk in. He was so funny. He would make me walk into different banks. He'd sit in the car and walk in and give them my resume and ask for a job. Oh <laughs> at the bank. And I was like, dad, this is so embarrassing. But um, anyway, through it, it taught me to be really confident in who I was and the things that I had already accomplished just through high school. I was, I was in high school. I managed a lot of um, events for our school because they enjoyed the design that I did there. So I had a little bit of a background in different things. And anyway, so that ultimately landed me a job at a home design company called Natco. And we First, I just started doing filing of papers and cleaning out the back rooms with all the fabric and moving things around. I measured curtains and (laughs) kind of just did whatever they needed me to do. And that ultimately landed before I even graduated. I got it was a full time job, but I was working it part time because I was in school still as a product manager. So I would help with product packaging and I got to create a pillow line that was 
that I got to present to the CEO of the company. Hmm. And, you know, we'd have Martha Stewart's team come in. So I would get to see all how all of that worked. So it was really amazing experience while I was still in school. Oh, wow. And two, I just have to mention this because I don't know when, when I'll have another chance, but I saw something interesting. You mentioned that love of events, just briefly touching back yep. on that yep. high school side of things. And is it true? Because I felt like this was such a fun fact. You did one of your dances, you recreated Central Park. Yes, I oh did. My gosh. That was amazing. Um, I was a senior in high school and or maybe even a junior actually. And they knew, they had asked me to be on the committee. And so I started, you know, coming up with ideas and we lived right outside of New York city. So it was an easy, easy, uh, recreation for us. And so we had a elevator in the school that I wrapped in black and then they said they would come down the elevator and then we found red fabric and I put it up this whole walkway. So they like walked the red carpet to go in. And then once we got in, I accumulated dozens of Christmas trees from around the school and people that I knew. And we decorated the whole gym with Christmas trees and did like a big bench to sit on for pictures. And then we had a huge silhouette of the skyline across the whole gym wall with like black Uh, skyscraper. So it was really fun. Oh my gosh. Well, I just had to make a quick side note because (laughs) there there continues to be an amazing theme. And as I, I think as people have gotten to know you more recently, these little details along the way, even the element of being able to do a pillow line at this job we're we're talking about right now, where you present it to the CEO, it's like, I can see you doing all this. I can see you setting up that dance. I can see Mm -hmm. you then at Netco kind of doing all these different jobs. Um, And then you mentioned, ultimately, you were doing this as a part-time role, but it was a full-time role. And you ultimately stepped into that. Is that right? Yeah. So I I did do it for a little while. And then um, I should mention, actually, because this is really where the social media part comes in. While I was doing that job of the the curtains and things, I started a fashion blog on the side. And that was just for fun. It was not anything part of my work, but I were all the designers that I was working with always dressed really well and really fun, you know, very expressive. And so I wanted to, fashion blogging was like barely starting, you know, there, there was, it was very, very basic. And so I just did it for fun and, um, started accumulating a lot of clothing because I was always going thrift shopping. And so I started selling the clothes, extra clothes that I didn't need anymore. I would rework them and, you know, put new buttons on or change, change like the straps or whatever. And, um, I sold those on on Etsy. So there were many times I was on the front page of Etsy for the different designs that I had created. And so, while I was doing all of the design within um, and learning design at the job, I was also doing that on my own. And it was helping me just see like, okay, here's, we're creating product for actual stores. Now I'm doing my own on the side and seeing how that worked within the social media space. Wow. I mean, every little detail of your story, again, just getting to know you as of late, I'm like, this is a long time coming, Hillary. You're thrifting (laughs) that you take us on. I mean, it's so cool how, um, yeah, how much of this is just genuinely who you are and what you love. Now, I am curious to know, where are you located and what year is this, are we kind of chatting about now? 
Right now. Okay. So I was in Rhode Island. Okay. Rhode Island known, was, has been known for their clothing industry and uh, fabric and things like that. So I was working in one of the old factories there for home design. This is 2008. It's right before the market crashed also. So I was uh, very happy to have a job. And then once the market did crash, I was just really thankful for the opportunity to take this full-time job, part-time during school, because a lot of my mm. friends weren't getting anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thinking back on that time, it's always um, a little bit of a touch point for guests. They, they always mention, they always remember what was going on during that season. Now, how long were you at this kind of doing the home design? How long were you there? So I worked there for three years throughout college. And then once um, I finished my college degree, I wanted to, uh, my goal ultimately I thought was to get into fashion design. So I finished working at Natco and I actually got a job offer at Hasbro games in their design department. So I took that because I wanted to have different, you know, different experiences within the design industry. And I worked there. I, I did, I was a project manager and I helped them take games from the concept, listening to all the designers creating the games to then rolling them out to the rest of the world. So I was working with like a lot of a lot of scheduling and going to these design meetings on how they were creating the games and trying to understand, you know, how would that be translated in um, Germany or whatever. So oh, wow. that was a really cool. That was that was actually my favorite job, which I didn't realize it till. I was done with it, but <laughs> till afterwards, you're looking back, you're like, wait, that was so fun. Well, yeah, and it, it, it immediately opened up your eyes and market to kind of the global um, setting that you found yourself in currently. Yes. Yes. It really showed me how long it can take to create a product and all of the different facets within it, right? So it's kind of euphoric for anyone outside of the industry to look and say, wow, that's, you know, it's must be so cool to do, to create a product on your own or whatever, but there's so much that goes into it. Hmm. And thankfully I, you know, was able to see all of those timelines and I was working with those timelines all the time. So it gave me a realistic expectation of if I do have an idea, it's probably going to take me a year to create something and actually have it in my hands at least. It it's such a good point because I think, of course, in this day and age, you know, and I am privy to do this. My husband would be like, okay, Emily, just, just focus on one thing, please. <laughs> but you have an idea. And yeah, to your point, it can take, you know, a year to think of it. It can take another year for it to fully come to fruition and physical form mm -hmm. for you to have figured that out. So at this stage in your career, you're, you're realizing that. And I think that's likely something that served you well later on. Yes. Uh, I am curious, what's happening in your personal life during this time? So I was single at the time and had just started to date my husband. Okay. We knew each other in college, um, but he was in the financial industry. So he was working in that role uh, about an hour away from where I was. And then we started dating and I realized I wanted to be closer to where he was because, you know, things were getting serious. I had known him for three years already. Right. And so I had a good inclination that it would work out. <laughs> and so um, I started applying to jobs in within the fashion industry near where he was in Boston. Okay. So ultimately your sights are set on Boston. Mm -hmm. What did you ultimately shift towards there? 
So I worked at, I ended up getting a job at TJX, which is the TJ Maxx Marshalls and Home Goods headquarters. And I only got that job. And this is like always one of my big touch points. I only got that job because of, you know, I, I had great experience, background experience, but it was really because of my fashion blog. So I was so surprised when I went to the interview, they didn't care about all of the other things that I could do. They wanted to know how I was fashion blogging and how that started. Oh my and gosh. Um, I ended up through my fashion blog on the side while I'm doing all of these other things. I was asked to write articles for some international magazines and newspapers. And so I was on the cover of a um, one of my claims to fame. I was on the cover <laughs> of a Chinese newspaper talking about what a college student should wear to job interviews because oh this is gosh. now 2009 and kids are trying to get jobs and they're, you know, it's hard because, oh, wait, it had just happened. So it was, uh, it was actually ca- kind of comical. My family thought it was hysterical. So there's a <laughs> huge picture of me on the, the cover. They sent me the newspaper. We couldn't read it, of course, but it was great. So <laughs> I hope that's framed somewhere. Do we have that yeah. somewhere? My dad has it in his uh, Hillary folder, so. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get it out. We need that frame. That is so yes, fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, the all-American girl found her way to the Chinese publications. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> now, okay, your blog, because you just mentioned this, and, and I know we touched on you were doing this, and even you were on Etsy. How long did the blog kind of live? I mean, this was something yes. that obviously TJ Maxx corporate was interested in, and you really were very ahead of the time to be doing that. So it, I, I think I did it for about two years. Okay. Um, I, uh, like I said, I first started it out for fun, but it started gaining traction. It was through Blogspot, so you could follow people in yep. that way back then. And so, um, I was just, I was starting to get followers and or whatever you would even call them at the time. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember. And um. I had, you know, companies starting to send me things, which was such a foreign concept at the time too. And so the TJ Maxx loved that because they're like, you know, they're like, how are you marketing yourself and then getting people to buy what you're selling? So Hmm. that was, uh, that was like, a huge selling point for me. And, you know, I could throw out my resume and talk about that all day. So it was great. <laughs> now, and what was it called? What was the blog called? It was called The Gleam of Rose Tea. It was love. super dramatic. <laughs> love, love, love. I love asking the question of those early blog names because it's almost like I, I personally didn't have a blog like early on. Honestly, I missed out, but I, it's almost like asking your screen name. It's so, so, true. so cute and so funny. Okay. That, that is beautiful, Hillary. I just love that. Uh, and so then, yeah, you're at TJ Maxx for how long? How long are you working there? I was there for about two years. Nice. I was in social, I worked in their social media marketing department. So I managed their interns. We would do photo shoots weekly for all of our content we would create for uh, the Facebook pages were pretty much the, the focus at that time. Uh, so I would meet with Facebook. We would see what was working within marketing for, you know, the Facebook was really what was up and coming as far as marketing went. And, and we weren't even touching Instagram at this point. Whoa. And so we were writing posts on, you know, three looks you should wear this weekend or whatever it was. So I was doing all of that and then yeah. t- doing these photo shoots. And then we were also I was also writing articles for their website too on you know, what should, people should wear for date night or whatever it might be. So 
Uh, again, well, it's so cool to hear about what you've been up to and what <laughs> your career has entailed. All these things we wouldn't necessarily be able to know in the beautiful uh, videos and snippets that we see uh, now. So this is all coming together beautifully for me. So thank you. Now, what did your exit look like? What was the the exit from from that specific role? Sure. So I had actually, I, so in, during this time I had stopped the fashion blog and I had started doing a, the, a lifestyle blog that I created called, I named it Tello and Rose. Mm -hmm. And the reason I started it was I, you know, my husband and I at that point got married and he, uh, we were doing some traveling and I was making horrendous cakes that tasted <laughs> terrible and trying to figure out how to make everything from scratch and failing miserably. So I started <laughs> blogging that because it was hysterical. And, um, and that was, and I named it Tello and Rose. I would refer to my husband as Tello and myself as Rose. That's my middle name. Oh. And it was just kind of fun and and uh, just a delve into our lives and fun things that we like to do. I, I wasn't really doing it for anything other than just I enjoyed writing. And so um, I named it that because I felt my, my sights were set on future. I wanted someday to have some sort of product that I sold. I didn't know what it was or what it would look like. In my mind, I wanted probably to do fashion, but... Um, I just wanted a good name that could last forever. And so that's why I named the blog that it was, you know, personal to us. And then also just sounded good. You could write TNR on stuff or whatever. So anyway, so that's kind of where I started. And then as I'm wor working through DJX, I was realizing that as much as I enjoyed fashion, I really liked the overall picture of a woman's life, not just specifically fashion. So mm -hmm. It kind of changed. It was it was a wonderful experience, but it really changed my idea of uh, just fashion in general and how you know, th some of the women were just you know uh, unkind and the, it's a very cutthroat industry. And mm -hmm. so it kind of turned me off to it. I was like, you know, we can dress beautiful all day, but if we're being jerks to the people around us, there is no point in doing this. So mm. it really changed my perspective on fashion in general. And so I of course, still love fashion. I talk about that on Instagram often, and I would love to, you know, incorporate that even more. But I realize there's more to life than just dressing well, because if your home is a mess, then who cares what you look like? So, mm. um, so my husband got a job in Wisconsin and we were going to be moving. So I started, I finished at TJX and I started working from home for a PR agency. And that was just really to pass the time I was, I was pregnant mm -hmm. and you're, I think you're noticing I'm, I do lots of random things. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd started a jewelry line oh. through my blog because my blog was doing well. And, um, so I started this jewelry line and was, I started selling those all over the East coast wow. and, um, and then, so I finished at TJX, did my jewelry line and was doing some PR for fortune 500 companies from home. Oh my gosh. Well, it's very interesting to me, all of the steps along the way 
And I love that we're getting the details because I think so often, uh, you know, people will find you now and they'll, they'll think, oh, you know, of course, she's always known how to communicate so beautifully what, uh, you know, a, a wife's uh, role might be in the home or, or how she specifically, you know, um, moves things around and make sure that the home is, you know, first and foremost, but looks so beautiful doing it. And I know <laughs> one of the questions someone asked recently was, do you ever get anything on your beautiful blazers. Of course she does, you guys. <laughs> and we can get yes. into to those details and just the beautiful <laughs> things that you share. But I guess even more on a macro scale, I use some some micro examples just then of of you know in the home and whatnot. But but mm-hmm. but like you said, the all-encompassing lifestyle of a woman, not just the the side of fashion. Anyways, mm-hmm. I'm just loving how we're able to see this has been a long time coming for you to hone in on this from jewelry, from PR, mm-hmm. from so many different design roles. And mm-hmm. ultimately, I'm guessing there's a shift that you really hone in on Tello and Rose. What did that yes. experience or idea kind of look like for you? So uh, once I was doing my, I did the jewelry line for a little while, and then I got pregnant with my daughter and I realized that I could not I just couldn't keep up with the demand. It was it was a blessing to have it for the time. And I just felt like God was moving me in a different direction. And so I was full on mommy without looking for anything else for a year and a half and just enjoyed that first baby so much. She's she's so sweet. And so um I just took a break till when Rose was on hold. I don't, I think I blogged every once in a while. Like if I would make, I liked to make everything from scratch. So I would share, you know, how I was made the sweet potato fries from scratch or whatever it was, mm-hmm. but it wasn't really my focus. It was, I was full on mom at the time and enjoying that role. And then when I had my second daughter, it was, um, I, I went through a little bit of time. I would say of probably postpartum depression. It was, not horrible, but I just felt like I lost who I was and what I enjoyed doing. Hmm. Um, and I think honestly, it was mostly just being exhausted. You know, having oh. two children was so tiring and I loved them both so much. And I was having a hard time figuring out how to give them the time they both needed while also not losing that side, that creative side of me. And so that was a big struggle for me. It took months for me to realize what, why I was, you know, angry and, um, having such a hard time. And then once I realized it, I was able to address it and give it to God. And, uh, he thankfully gave me peace, but, um, so yeah, so Tello and Rose was on hold. And then once I realized I, I felt like that creativity was fleeting, I decided I needed to make some more time for it. And so I had made a bib for my second daughter. She was, oh, she, was spit up all the time. She was had bad mm-hmm. acid reflux. And so I made a couple bibs for her that were really cute because she had to wear them all the time. <laughs> and every time we were out, people said, you know, where did you get that? And I said, oh, I just, you know, went to Joanne Fabrics and made them. And so I started selling those for fun. And that was a bless- really big blessing to me. I sold them on Etsy again. You know, I had already had experience doing that. So I knew how it worked. And I would take about an hour a day and just make a couple bibs and sell them. And that gave me that creativity I needed. The girls would just, you know, sit on my feet and play. And um, it gave me that time I needed. So that was a really, it, it was 
it's hard for me to scale back. That's one of my biggest faults. I go all cylinders, if you haven't noticed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was it was um, hard for me to do it just for the one hour, but it was it was what I needed. So I would do the hour and then I'd tell myself, you know, you can do it again tomorrow and not work all day long because I enjoyed doing it so much. But it was fun for me. And then we'd get the girls and I out too. We'd go, you know, shopping for the trims and the different things. So that was a good restful time for my business. And then through that, people started seeing like my, just friends and things that I w- had a knack for different things. So they'd start asking me, you know, can you help me with this paint color? Or can you help me design my wedding? I did a couple of weddings for people. Can you do the flowers for my wedding? So I had these little opportunities within young motherhood to be able to still do the talents that God had given to me, but not let it, you know, take me away from my first priorities of raising those little babies. Mm, so encouraging, so encouraging and such an awesome tangible takeaway of like, Hey, I wanted this creative element. I knew that first and foremost, though, I wanted to be available to my young girls. Um, but mm-hmm. even just that hour a day to be like, okay, I can do it again tomorrow. Oh, I'm just so, uh, I just love it. I'm so connected to, to what you're sharing and, and, um, thinking about that early season is, is mm. so cool. And the piece that you found in, you know, allowing different opportunities to come. I think so much of the time we think, no, I am, I have to now just make bibs. I make bibs, you know, but it's like, <laughs> if then people come to you and say, can you help with this? Can you help with that? Like, yes, yes. Just, mm-hmm. I love um, how many different, um, you know, pieces of your story are coming together in a way that, that I know will be encouraging to folks. So ultimately though, you, you mentioned, you know, you're, you are, you're a woman of, of many different traits and lots of different things that you can step in and help. Um, but then there must be a time that, and we're getting kind of even closer into, you know, more recent years that mm-hmm. you, you say, okay, I am going to focus in on this, or I do have a little bit more time to be able to do so. Yes. So I, so right before I had my son who is now five, so it's about five years ago, mm-hmm. I had been since, since I had my, my first daughter. So that's, this was about 10, 11 years ago at this point, Mm -hmm. I had always wanted a pretty diaper bag, which sounds silly, but (laughs) I never wanted to be that hot mess mom when you walk in and you know, everything's falling everywhere. And of course I was, but I didn't want to look like that if I could help it. So, (laughs) um, I was always on the lookout for a good looking handbag and could, or a diaper bag, I should say, and could, didn't really ever love the ones I found. I love like long champ style of bags. I love Ralph Lauren bags, but, um, Longchamp didn't have any pockets or anything. So, um, as I'm, my children are getting a little bit older, I have a little bit more free time. I started about five years ago. I started thinking like, okay, I'm going to make a handbag and, um, I'm going to sell these because there's a need in the market and there are not any of this style that I'm looking for. Well, then I got pregnant with my son (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay, we're going to hold that again. (laughs) And so I I had drawn up some um, ideas and talked to some vendors and I think maybe got like a couple things drawn up, but anyway, ended up pausing it because I never, my biggest thing that I was always taught from other women was to never be so distracted from motherhood that you lose those cherished little years. Mm. And I didn't want to lose that. And I also really never wanted to begrudge the kid, the children that I had that God had blessed me with because I wanted to have that something else was pulling my mind. Mm. So 
I waited on the bags until my son was a little bit older and I wouldn't miss out on those tiny baby years with him and, um, you know, just be distracted. I didn't want any distraction from that because you can't get those years back. So I waited. And then, uh, when he turned two, I started, he was, you know, running around like crazy and stressing (laughs) me out. And so again, I said, okay, I need a creative outlet. I cannot, I cannot, uh, (laughs) not sit still anymore. So I did, um, and all this time, again, I'm still doing stuff for friends and things like that, home home design and things like that, but um, started getting things drawn up for these bags. And this was 2019. Oh, yeah. And so right before COVID yeah. and every, you know, everything was doing great. I had started an Instagram in January of 2019, the Instagram that I have now, yeah. Telling Rose Instagram in 2019 in January. And my idea was, you know, my son's going to go to preschool in a couple of years. So until then, every once in a while, I'll share a picture. And if it does well, fine. And if not, that's fine too. But at least I have this online portfolio of what I've done because I had redone our whole house. And so I was documenting that and things like that. Well, the Instagram blew up mm-hmm. and from January to March, um, I got, I don't know, eight, 9,000 followers in a couple months. And so I said, well, okay, well, I have this bag I've been sitting on. So maybe I should sell the bag through the Instagram since I have a platform. Right. And so I started developing and then created this bag. And that, again, all that background experience I had from all the different things just helped me to have the right expectations of how to get it done. I knew, you know, I was working with, at that point, I was working with a manufacturer overseas. And so I was able, I knew, you know, the, the times that they would be able to answer and what, how to speak to them because I had to speak to people with with that language barrier for many years within the other design jobs I did. So all of that helped me to get to that point where I was with the bags. Oh my gosh. It's even that detail of knowing how to communicate with someone and thinking Mm -hmm. about what time they're going to be awake, you know, respecting Mm -hmm. them in that way and not calling them at, you know, 2 a.m. their time, that kind of thing. And then Mm -hmm. for you to be able to have this physical product and Mm -hmm. to be able to see it begin to grow and ultimately, uh, you know, folks can find it now. Um, But there is an interesting shift that that I personally have seen. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because not only do you have the bag, the physical product and correct me if I'm wrong, other products as well. Yes, I had, I actually did some dresses too. And I did at one point I did a a makeup bag that sold out, but of course, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I don't know, Hillary. Um, but ultimately, you have so you have these products, right? But mm-hmm. my guess is, and maybe I'm jumping ahead because we're kind of in the 2019, 2020. Ultimately, mm-hmm. um, there is a shift in your time and your creative outlet that takes you into the realm of videos and Mm -hmm. so much more. So what did that look like? I know that that products will continue to be an amazing portion of your business, Mm -hmm. but what has it looked like to really, I mean, go all the way back to your communications major and Mm -hmm. be able to communicate in this beautiful way that you do? Okay. So I would say every single thing about, um, anything I've ever had a passion about is trying to encourage 
women to be surrounded by beautiful things in a beautiful life that that they can have in an attainable way. So Mm. whether that's a pretty bib or a really well-made handbag or a beautiful video with candles making the most simple cheeseburger hamburger helper, (laughs) it's all, it's all the same trajectory of, uh, you know, the, the life that God has given to us is so beautiful and we can enjoy it to the fullest without having to look like a Kardashian, hmm. you know, jet setter. And so and that's always been my focus. Um, my parents lived well, but simply and always taught us the same thing. You can have nice clothes. You don't need to look like, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, but you can have nice things and take care of them well. And so I, that's always been just my passion. When I was a young girl, I wore Talbots and my, mm. everybody would say, how do you wear it? My, my dad would go on the clearance sales and buy them for me when I was 12. I'd have Talbots <laughs> pants on. And so uh, I like $120 pants like my dad got for $25 for yes. his 12-year-old or whatever it was. So um, I think people have an idea of design and living that you have to be really wealthy and it's only for certain certain people. And I I would disagree. I think you can have a beautiful life regardless of um, where you're at. Mm. Well, and it's so encouraging and you do such a good job of communicating that both on social and today and today's conversation, being able to hear all of the different um, things that you share. One thing I would love to know because, and and you mentioned your account really kind of took off, correct me from 2019, Mm -hmm. I mean, and ongoing, is that right? I would say it from 20 till this past fall. So for the last two years, it grew slowly. I got up to about 20,000 followers from between those two years, which was still still a good amount. Um, But it grew slowly. But then this fall is when I gained about almost 100,000 followers within a couple months. Okay. So this is a really unique experience. And I think that many (laughs) listeners would be like, that is everything anyone could hope for. And in many ways, it absolutely is. It's the dream of um, an amazing stay-at-home mom like yourself Mm -hmm. with a small business, et cetera. But what are the things we don't know about that? What what does it feel like to have ultimately strangers be so invested and curious about you and your life? Um, I feel a really big responsibility, honestly, from in December, I had a hard time. I'm, I'm recuperating now, but I had a lot of anxiety just because I really do take it seriously. And so the questions that I get from all these sweet women are so in-depth and mm-hmm. um, wonderful just about their lives or their families or their, you know, how they want to be, how they want to live or whatever it is. And I have dealt with some anxiety with that and, you know, stomach aches and things like that. But mm-hmm. um it's gotten much better because I, you know, I, I just prayed and asked the Lord to help me remember that it's the same thing as it was before. It doesn't matter how many people are there. You're still doing the same thing. And so the recipes are what really made everything take off. But I think me being true to what I've always known and being true to all of the things that I find to be true and I don't I don't really mince my words and I I do try obviously to be respectful but um just being who I am I think is what has created this momentum and kept people there because I get countless messages of I don't fully agree with you know your way that you looked at this or whatever but 
I just love how genuine you are. And so I think that's really the key is being who you are and presenting that in the best way possible and caring about the customer. Mm. Well, I hope that you sense the, you know, cheering on that many of us oh, are yeah. doing uh, <laughs> for you and, and just seeing your account and seeing um, what you, what you've created. And for good reason, there's eyes on your account. You make beautiful videos. You have such helpful recipes. Like you mentioned, you've even taken us on a little tour of your library nook, which is fabulous. Mm-hmm. And, and being able to see your husband pop into some of those videos. I always enjoy seeing him and the kids. So <laughs> I definitely know know why there is such a momentum towards what you're doing, how you're encouraging folks. And it's really, really fun to see. One thing that has struck me that is is simply amazing is the amount of ideas that you have for, for videos. And every single one is helpful. Every single one is, uh, you know, something that will be helpful to your audience. And I think many times, myself included, I'm not necessarily as creative or helpful, I, you know, will post a pretty video or whatnot, but you're really honing in on helping, assisting. Is Mm -hmm. that a choice that you made, um, you know, specifically, or is that just kind of who you are and and what you lean towards regardless? Um, I would say it's definitely part of who I am. I I love like teaching and helping. Um, But um, from a social media standpoint, I actually rarely consume social media. So when I do, I'm only looking at things that I think are helpful to me. Mm. And, you know, I watch so many different social media specialists and analysts and all these things. And they always say, what value are you adding Mm. to your followers? And so every single time I post something, I always ask myself that question, am I adding any value or am I only trying to draw attention to myself? Mm. And so if I'm not adding that person any value, even if it's like, you know, it could be a fun video of lighting the fire, but if that's not adding peace or um, causing them to t- take a second to rest, maybe throughout their scrolling or whatever it might be, then I, then why am I doing it? So that's my question to I always ask myself. Well, and a big one to unpack. I take notes and I just wrote that down. I'm like, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling that one. <laughs> and I know listeners likely are too. Well, Hillary, mm-hmm. this has been so much fun to to unpack your career. And, and like I said, I mean, there's so many of us cheering you on. And I'm so grateful to be able to have some time with you. And I'm really curious about what your thoughts are with, with this next question. I like to just preface it. It's a little bit loaded, but could you perhaps share with us what is the greatest lesson you have learned? My greatest lesson I've learned is to, and you can tell from all the different things I've done, is just to not force anything to happen. Mm. Um, allow God to give give you wisdom and then wait and see what happens. Um, I've tried to force, you know, I had a huge um, botch. I made a bunch of beautiful dresses that were hand printed and they were going, they were gorgeous and I got them and we spent a bunch of money on them that I was going to sell on my website and they were horrible. Mm. And so I thought about, I was trying to figure out how to make it work. And I was like, I can market it as this. So they don't, you know, then they don't care as much, whatever. Anyway, Mm -hmm. ultimately I decided every time I try to force something, it flops and then it hurts the brand. Mm. And so it can, you know, undermines the brand, it undermines their trust in our brand. And so, um, that's always been my biggest 
lesson. I have to tell myself that on a daily basis. Sometimes I'll post things on Instagram and they do terribly. So I take them down because I was trying to force something that just was off brand or just maybe not wasn't, wasn't helpful to people or whatever it might be. So, um, that's my, always my biggest takeaway is just let things happen and we'll see where they take us. So good. I just, this is the, our little math equation for the conversation. Force equals flop. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Well, thank you, Hillary. And <laughs> and I know too, you know, people are really excited about what you're up to. And I know that they've enjoyed hearing the many details throughout your career. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm curious, what what's next? What can we be on the lookout? What's next for you? So I'm starting to do a little, some fun brand things with some different high-end brands that I really enjoy and love that I've already already use. So I'm excited to, uh, I'm going to be helping launch some different things and stuff. So I'm really excited about that. I've never done, had that part of a brand collaboration before where they're designing things and they're asking me to help launch them. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I just launched a meal plan yes. at the end of January. And so it's more of a meal guide. It's a one-month meal guide to help mom, busy moms uh, just figure out what to put on the table. And it has everything and it has the recipes and um, it has, you know, sides and all of that. And it was approved by a nutritionist. So that's really exciting and fun, uh, hopefully helpful to busy moms. And then I don't know what else I have next. I mean, I, I love to do a cookbook. Who knows? Maybe I'll create a who knows what I'll create next, but, um, yeah, a cookbook may, might be in mind or even a coffee table book I've, I've had in mind for a while. So, okay. I can see it all. We will, <laughs> we will stay tuned. We'll be looking forward to, uh, gosh, those brand connections. And of course we'll be checking out the meal plan as well. Hillary, this has been so fun. Is there anything we didn't cover that you'd like to? Um, the only thing that I, always like to tell anyone who has listened to my story is first and foremost, God has directed all of it. And it's really been all any talent that I have has been given from him. Mm. And I'm so grateful for that. So I always try in any way I can to reflect him within the things that I've done. So that's, that's the one, if there's anything you could take away, it would be that. But um, I also really like to encourage moms of Um, girls who have similar talents to what I do to create portfolios for themselves. So Mm. whether that is starting an Instagram or even just like a website journaling things or however it might be, or even just a collection of pictures of the events that your daughters have worked on, or even yourself, if you, if you are doing that and you're just starting out in your design career, start a portfolio for yourself, even if no one sees it. And so Mm. as you grow and what you learn and can do, you can show that to other people. Hmm. It's such a great point. And I think you all will enjoy, I'm going to give you guys a chance to connect with Hillary if, if you're not already following her. Um, but even looking back and seeing all that you've done, it's all there, like you said, like a portfolio mm-hmm. and to be able to have those photos to share such a, such a great point. Uh, and it's been cool too, to not only see how well connected you are with many of your new followers, you know, you've, you've made friends and I count you mm-hmm. as one today uh, through social, but I'd love to know too, who do you know that should maybe come on and share their story? Well, there's a a lady named Natalie Kovarik, and she is, and it might be a little bit different than the vet guests that you normally have, but she's so nice. cool. She is a rancher's wife, 
And she does a little diary of her daily ranching life right now. She's doing it all about her birthing of cows, which is just so interesting to me because I don't know anything about that. But she also is a really big advocate for different things within the ranching industry. And she also does modeling for um, like Western brands. So she's super cool and has so many different things to offer to her followers. I think she would be a really fun interview. Oh, amazing. Well, Hillary, thank you for such a fun recommendation. You all will have to stay tuned for a potential episode with Natalie. Would love to hear more. Well, and mm-hmm. too, I've, I've kind of teased this and mentioned this, but Hillary, where can listeners connect with you? Well, the best place is on my Instagram. I'm there 24 <laughs> seven. Um, and then I also have a website, telloandrose.com. Oh, amazing. Well, everyone, I know you likely are already following Hillary, but do go ahead and check out all that she has going on. And of course, we look forward to seeing what's ahead. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? Brought to us by the Southern Sea. Be sure to check them out. I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. We will talk to you soon. Bye.